Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast, where we talk about everything related to toxins and detox. And you can learn more at my website, myersdetox.com. Today, we have an amazing show for you. We have my guest, Dr. Raymond Perrin, who is going to be talking about the brain lymph drainage connection to chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, and also its connection to dementia and fibromyalgia and lots of other neurological inflammatory issues. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the causes of poor brain lymph drainage and massage techniques to aid brain lymph drainage as well and, and just lymphatic system drainage. And we'll also explain you know, how the brain and lymphatic drainage system becomes clogged with toxins, so why that happens and why there's kind of actually a backflow of toxins and uh, why the brain is vulnerable to toxins and the compounding issue of leaky brain. We'll also talk about the link between poor brain lymph drainage and long COVID symptoms. Dr. Perrin has found that people that have a backed up lymphatic system or their brain isn't draining properly uh, also tend to be more prone to long COVID symptoms, which includes chronic fatigue. So that's a very, very interesting conversation there. And we'll also discuss Dr. Perrin's Perrin technique and how it can reverse chronic fatigue naturally and even prevent it. There are signs and symptoms uh, before people get chronic fatigue and other like fibromyalgia and pain syndromes, what to look for and how you can address this naturally and, and get your brain toxins flowing out again. So really, really interesting conversation. And I know you guys listening to this show are concerned about your you know, your body burden of toxins. So I created a quiz. You can go to heavymetalsquiz.com. Take this two minute quiz. And after the quiz, you get a free video series that answers all of your questions related to detox. You know, you know how long does it take to detox? And you know, what kind of testing is good? What kind of supplements should I take? Where do I get started uh, to you know, begin detoxing? All of these frequently asked questions that people have totally free video series after the quiz. Take it at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Dr. Ray Perrin, is a registered osteopath, neuroscientist, and specialist in chronic fatigue syndrome. And he's an honorary clinical research fellow at the Faculty of Biology, Medicine, and Health at the University of Manchester in England. Dr. Perrin qualified in 1984 from the British School of Osteopathy in London, and he has extensive experience treating top sportsmen and women, including Olympic athletes. In 1991, he was appointed official osteopath to the World Students Game in Sheffield. And Dr. Perrin's research since 1989 into chronic fatigue syndrome, CFSME, has expanded our knowledge of the disease and how to diagnose and treat it. In July 2005, he was awarded a doctorate by the University of Salford, UK, for his thesis on the involvement of cerebrospinal fluid and lymphatic drainage in CFSME. In 2007, he also held the academic post of honorary senior lecturer at the Allied Health Professions Research Unit, University of Central Lancashire in Preston, UK. He was appointed member of the Scientific Committee for the Second, Third, and Fourth World Congress on Neurobiology in Psychopharmacology affiliated with the European Association of Psychiatrists Annual Conference in Greece. And in 2015, he joined the International Faculty of the German School of Osteopathy in Hamburg, Germany, and teaches osteopathic theory and practice to students in colleges all over Europe. And he's lectured internationally and in the UK to CFS ME patient groups and the medical profession on the manual diagnosis and treatment of CFS ME. He's published papers in major medical journals, including the British Medical Journal, and is the author of the best-selling book, The Parent Technique, How to Beat CFS ME, published by Hammersmith Press in London. And Dr. Perrin is a vice patron of the University College of Osteopathy in 2015, and was the recipient of the inaugural 
Research and Practice Award from the Institute of Osteopathy. He's a founding member of the newly formed International Osteopathic Research Group and still continues to run clinics in Manchester and London, specializing in the treatment of CFS, ME, and fibromyalgia. You can learn more about Dr. Perrin and his work at theperrintechnique.com. Dr. Perrin, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Wendy. Yeah, so tell me, how did you get involved in this topic and, and this area of medicine with chronic fatigue? Well, it, it all started in 1989, uh, which is going back quite a long way now. And I was very involved. I'm an osteopath by profession, and I was very involved in sports medicine. And one of the sports teams I was treating was one of the British cycling teams that eventually became one of the main teams in the world in cycling. And uh, one of their members had a back problem that was coming in, but he hadn't been cycling for seven years because he had ME, chronic fatigue syndrome. And in those days, they used to call it yuppie flu. Uh, it was young, upward mobile people were coming down <laughs> with this like illness. And he said, um, I've got this, I've had seven years, I've been out of cycling, I'm just working in an office when I can. And uh, most of the time I'm fatigued and can't concentrate and can't, definitely can't get on a bike. So I said, well, I can't help that, but I can definitely help your posture and your spine. And, and uh, we had one lecture when I was in college. I went to the British School of Osteopathy uh, to train as an osteopath which is now the University College of Osteopathy in London. And there I was, I had one lecture on psychosomatic disorders and ME came up there, you know, tender loving care, smile at the patient and you'll be fine. So anyway, I treated his spine and got his mechanics working better. And amazingly, his ME symptoms started to improve. And eventually he, um, came to me after a few, after just a couple of months, and he was symptom-free from his chronic fatigue, ME. We, call, we, we used to call it ME in this country, and then it became chronic fatigue, ME. In America, they've had many different names for it, but it's now accepted universally as ME-CFS. ME stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis. So what I noticed, myalgic is muscle pain, Encephalo is to do with the brain, and myelitis is inflammation of the spine. And I noticed that he had this, but other patients were coming in with spinal problems, also felt fatigued, and also had very similar symptoms to this gentleman. Now, he told me that he's been trying everything to try and get better, and he went back on his bike, and he was fine forevermore. And he said, it's seven years of hell, and now he's better. So he told me he was the one, you know, all practitioners, and you, you probably have the same, you have people coming in with books and books and loads of uh, different research papers saying, read this, you know. And so he, I started reading around the subject and I realised that I was obviously helping him in some way, but I had to work out why and how. And I found out at that time there was no known treatments for me that worked universally. And it was very much in the infancy of, of being accepted as a disease. But then I came up with a theory. And the theory was, and this was in, going right back to 1989, that there were buildup of poisons in the spine and spinal cord, which then is a continuation of the brain, so into the brain. And this increase in toxicity, in, in inflammation and inflammatory toxins, led to this disease that we called ME. And by working on the spine, I could uh, open up the passages and drain, drain the problem away, drain the toxins away. But there was no science to back me up at all. It was just a theory. And when I came up with this theory that there was a drainage system of the brain that was we were able to work on and stimulate the drainage. When I came up with this theory, it was it was was it out of the box? It was out of the planet, out of the universe. When I got involved more with the lymphatics, and we're going to be discussing that in this uh, podcast, obviously. But 
I said that when I started looking at the lymphatics, I realized that the lymphatics were very much involved in the whole problem. And when I started seeing other patients, they all had swellings of lymphatic tissue in their neck and the chest areas. And I found that there was definitely a lymphatic connection here. And my treatment I developed over the, over the, over the many years I worked with this became known as the Perrin technique. And this is the diagnosis and treatment of chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, and other conditions through what I said was the neuro, what I called the neurolymphatic drainage. And when I gave my earlier lectures years ago, or a, few, a couple of decades ago now, um, scientists looked at me like I was mad from different planet and some walked out i remember some neurologists saying this nonsense how can you say that there's a drainage system of the brain into lymphatics it's, it's just it doesn't exist there's no lymphatic drainage of the brain at all yeah it's amazing the resistance you can have to to new concepts it's like is, is there a oh, possibility yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why people can't be open-minded to new possibilities like we don't know everything about yeah. the body and as, especially when you say you can help it <laughs> without drugs as well i think that's the big thing without big pharma being involved nobody wants to know and research but anyway i, I was helping people i was using my ideas to develop a treatment plan that actually helped. And that became known as the Perrin Technique. And this I've been working on for many years. I've done clinical trials at, at universities, in hospitals, with the National Health Service as well. But yet I still haven't got full recognition within the health service because I'm not a drug and there's not big bucks to be made, unfortunately. But hopefully one day <laughs> uh, we'll have enough evidence to, to make people realize that we, we can make a difference. And I'm not saying I've got the answer. Unfortunately, with this sort of disease, ME, chronic fatigue and other conditions like fibromyalgia, there's not one answer. But I've got part of the jigsaw puzzle. Yes. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So can you tell us, you know, based on your method, you know, how does, how do toxins normally drain away from the brain? Because this is a concept that it, it, it is very, very new. And, you know, we yeah. recently discovered the brain has a glymphatic system. Yeah. How does that all work? Yeah, well, and that, and that, say we recently, I, I, I sort of looked back and the scientists talking about this, what's now called the glymphatic system, we're talking about it in in uh, in the nineteen forties even. Uh, Speransky in Russia did some research on sheep, showing there was this drainage. And in the UK, we had uh, work in um, in by Roy Weller, Professor Roy Weller at the University of Southampton, who was showing in in rats that there was this drainage system of the brain. But it was all theory, all hypothesis. And as an osteopath. And going back to the roots of osteopathy, uh, which came from America, and um, Andrew Taylor Still, the first osteopath who developed the, the field in Kirksville, Missouri, in the late 19th century, talked about the waters of the brain draining into the lymphatics. So, and that further by um, William Garner Sutherland, who is one of his disciples, one of his students who became the founder of cranial osteopathy, cranial sacral therapy. They both talked about the drainage of the, the brain of cerebrospinal fluid into the lymphatics. Now, they had no proof that this was actually occurring, no visible proof. There was no scans, obviously, in those days. There was no way they knew this was happening for sure. But they, they, their whole treatment was based on the fact that there was a drainage system. So where is it and how does it work? Well, with my, with my research, I discovered that scientists had found that through the cribriform plate, which is a plate of, of part of the ethmoid bone, which sits in the skull around here, above the nasal cavity, 
where the olfactory nerves uh, go through little perforations in this plate, there's blood vessels around the nerves. And these blood vessels supply the nerves and they have spaces around these blood vessels called perivascular spaces. These are spaces around the part where the blood goes. And these spaces from the research done by earlier scientists showed to contain cerebrospinal fluid. So what we're seeing is a drainage of cerebrospinal fluid, which is a fluid in the brain and down the spine, drains out of the brain through these spaces, in this, mainly in the, in the olfactory pathway, into lymphatic system outside the brain. So the scientists at that time were right. There's no lymphatic, there was no lymphatic system, true lymphatic system in the brain. However, there was this drainage system through cerebrospinal fluid. And it wasn't just the olfactory nerves, that it, the pathway, through the optic nerve pathways, through the trigeminal nerves in the cheeks, and the auditory pathways were the main areas of drainage and down the spine. This is so important, down the spine as well. So these are drainage systems that happen in healthy, should happen in healthy people, but it was never proven to exist in humans or even animals, truly proven by scans because we didn't have the technology until 2012. So only nine years ago now. And in 2012, in Rochester University, again in New, in New York, in, in the States, they discovered, Jeff Elif and his colleagues discovered that using a new type of scan technique, discovered that there was actually this, this, this drainage did exist in mice not in humans, in mice. And when it didn't drain away, it built up in parts of the brain around in the, one of the main areas was the limbic system in the brain, the, what, what we call the thalamus and the basal ganglia, which were, surround very close to the main organ I feel being affected, and that's the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is one of the main organs for so many parts of the body controlling the hormones. It's the mother of the hormonal system, the hypothalamus. People always talk about the pituitary gland, but it's the hypothalamus that controls the pituitary gland and controls the adrenals and controls the thyroid. The hypothalamus measures, and this is what... You know, it's amazing that when I came up with this idea that there was this drainage going on, I knew the, the scientists who had looked into this had to be right. When people said there was no lymphatic drainage of the brain, we didn't, why did they say that? And then you have to think about why we have a lymphatic system in the first place. And you're steeped in, in, tox, in detoxing, so you know a lot about the lymphatics. But you also probably realize that it's the least taught system in the whole of the medical world, the least. And the lymphatic system is that, you know, you ask, I, I lecture about the lymphatics all over the world. And, if I, and I, when I ask, you know, a whole group of doctors are saying, why do we have the lymphatic system? And they look blank. Well, we need it. Why? Well, we need it because the blood can't drain everything away. Why not? And they don't you know, a lot of them don't realize that the reason why we have a lymphatic system is mainly because of the macromolecules, the large molecules. Small molecules can get through the capillaries, capillary walls. It's a filter system. Larger molecules can't get in. So what do the large molecules do? Well, they, they have to be drained away somehow, and that's where the lymphatics. And if you look at the capillaries of the lymphatics, got, their walls are like gills of a fish, opening and closing, and allowing large molecules in. And that is the key to this whole of neurolymphatic system science and everything. Because according to general medicine, for years and years and years, ever since the blood-brain barrier was proven, we have a proven barrier 
in the 60s, I think it was actually proven to exist. There was theories about it before, but then you could scan the blood-brain barrier and see it. And the blood-brain barrier is a barrier that stops any large molecules entering the brain. And therefore, if large molecules can't get into the brain, you don't need a lymphatic system. And that's why there isn't a lymphatic system in the brain, because you don't need one. And I come along and say that chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, fibromyalgia and other things, Alzheimer's, the research on a lot of the early research on this neurolymphatics was on Alzheimer's. Because with Alzheimer's, it's a very, really important point. This Alzheimer's, they've looked at the beta amyloid uh, molecules. And these are large protein molecules that are stuck in the brain in, uh, in Alzheimer's patients. They're not draining away. And the early research that was done by Ilif in Rochester and his colleagues was looking at the amyloid beta. They basically injected amyloid beta into the brains of these mice and watched how they drained away. So basically what you have is a buildup of, uh, of large molecules in the brain but large molecules officially can't get into the brain because there's a blood-brain barrier. So how did it get in? And this comes back to the hypothalamus. Because the hypothalamus controls the hormonal system. Every hormone in the body ends up in the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus measures the levels and sends messages back. And this is known throughout the whole of endocrinology and medicine. It's biofeedback mechanism. So if you say you have insulin being produced in the pancreas, this will flow in the blood into the brain at the hypothalamus, and the hypothalamus will measure, measure the, the insulin and then send messages back to the pancreas to produce more or less. And this controls the insulin levels. So we know insulin, which is a huge molecule. Just to give you an example, in, in the size of molecule we're talking. We know blood-brain barrier takes in certain molecules or small, small molecules, such as water. Water has a molecular weight of 18 Daltons, measured, by, measured in Daltons. And we're quite proud of Dalton because Dalton was, was a scientist from Manchester, England, where I come from. So, <laughs> A water molecule is 18 Daltons large. Uh, insulin molecule is 5,808 Daltons. It's huge. It's a walloping, massive molecule. And when I, I gave a seminar a few years ago to a whole group of osteopathic physicians in New York, and one of them said, you know, we love you really. We love, love your work, but this is crazy. An insulin molecule going into the brain that big? Impossible. What about the blood-brain barrier? Well, there's seven areas, circumventricular areas are known as in the brain, which haven't got a good blood-brain barrier at all. Two of those are in the hypothalamus. The posterior pituitary gland is another one. The pineal gland, which controls melatonin levels for sleep, is another one. There's areas of the brain that have huge gaps in the blood-brain barrier. And these gaps mean that large toxins can get in as well. And they do. So we need a lymphatic system of the brain. If we haven't got one, as soon as we're born, we'll all die. So we have to have one. So we knew that there must be one. And this is what amazed me why other scientists and other doctors around the world didn't think the same. There were a few, but not many. Anyway, in 2012, it was proven in mice that this, this lymphatic system that they called it existed. But it was very interesting when they found this because it was only in mice. And what they did then, well, they showed that when it doesn't work, it hits this area around the hypothalamus and the thalamus. Well, let's talk about the basal ganglia first. Basal ganglia produces a lot of different uh, chemicals, neurochemicals, but one of the main ones it produces is GABA, gamma aminobutyric acid. And this is a pain suppressant. So if this gets irritated, you're going to get biotoxins coming in. If the drainage doesn't work and it put, fills up in this area, which, which the studies in Rochester showed, you end up 
with a buildup of toxins affecting the pain suppression. So you get more pain. This is very, very much what's happening with people with fibromyalgia. And one of the main treatments they get for that is pregabalin or gabapentin to help stimulate the GABA. And that, that, that's the drug that works for this. But there's also another area, the, the thalamus, that also gets involved. And the thalamus produces a chemical called NMDA, which then stimulates substance P. Now, NMDA receptors are very, very acutely stimulated by alcohol. And it's very interesting that most people with chronic fatigue, ME, and fibromyalgia can't cope with a little, even the tiniest bit of alcohol. And this is the toxicity side of alcohol. It can affect these, these NMDA receptors big time and then affect the, the, the thalamus. And the thalamus control and, the, uh, and also the basal ganglia and the, and the hypothalamus are all part of the limbic system, the emotional side of your brain. So this is what affects the emotions and makes people de feeling depressed. It's secondary depression, it's not true depression and anxiety states and all sorts and cognitive function is affected because the the drainage from the from the cribriform plate from the hypothalamus through there goes through the prefrontal areas affecting affecting thought processes so people have this brain fog and the most interesting thing if you look at the brain in this area the hypothalamus the thalamus and basal ganglia it's right central to all the thought processes, uh, all the nerves going from the from the front, from the frontal area to the back, to the doing part of your brain. So everything becomes of an effort, talking, walking, eating, sleeping, everything becomes more of an effort because this, this central core, this middle part of the whole process, the um, junction box, as I call it, has been affected. So that basically explains why we need a drainage system. And the drainage system does drain off toxins through into the lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is a living system which has nerves controlling it, sympathetic nerves. And the main area, one of the main areas controlling autonomic nervous system, especially sympathetic nerves, is the hypothalamus itself. So if the hypothalamus is poisoned, it doesn't cause, it causes autonomic disturbance and this will affect the lymphatics itself. And the main duct of the lymph, the thoracic duct, pumps at a, at a rate of around four beats a minute. Now, when I was in college many years ago in the 1980s, we were told lymph doesn't have a pump of its own, but it does. It's controlled by sympathetic nerves controlled by the area of the brain that's being poisoned when you have this buildup, which then causes a vicious circle. So it causes more toxicity and more damage. And this vicious circle ensues to eventually when you have a buildup of this, these poisons leading to what we call ME, CFS, fibromyalgia, and all other things, including probably Alzheimer's. There's research done on, on Crookfeld-Jakob's disease, mad cow disease in humans, which is, is the same. And who knows what other neurological disorders you know, are caused by this, this vicious circle of toxins building up, affecting the drainage system. Yeah, and it's certainly, you know, it's very concerning with some of the, you know, the, the Franken virus that's out there and the, the test, the, um, the nasal swab test that's rubbed right yeah, on the, yeah. that, that very, very vulnerable uh, cubiform uh, bone area yeah, that's part absolutely. of your, your blood-brain barrier. It's very yeah. concerning that I would never do that test. It's very concerning. That, what are your thoughts on that, on rubbing a Q-tip well, on that very yeah, well, sensitive yeah, area? Yeah, I mean, that is the area. You've noticed one of the main symptoms of, of coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, at the beginning is anosmia, loss of smell. And this is because it, the the drain the toxins go into the, through the pathway into the into the brain. We saw this in SARS in Canada, where there was a, a buildup of tox uh, buildup of poisons for, uh, of the virus through the blood brain barrier. They saw in post mortem through the blood brain barrier into the hypothalamus through this pathway. 
This was seen by Professor Harvey Moldowski and his team in Toronto. And this is the same, same, very similar virus now, coronavirus. So this pathway is very important and it's very important to keep a healthy nasal passage at all times. And the, what my techniques, we give self-massage and self-techniques to open up these passages to keep them moving. So yeah, I mean, putting a, a swab up there, probably if it can irritate the area, it probably can create inflammation and inflammation causes causes toxicity, inflammatory toxins. And if you think about, you know, everybody's hearing about cytokine storm. Post-virally, we see this again and again and again, that you have virus and then you develop chronic fatigue. One of the names for it is post-viral fatigue. And it's this pathway that is affected. And the buildup of cytokines is is cytokines are large protein molecules that are there to help the immune system beat the, the virus. It doesn't kill the virus, it attaches. They are signaling molecules, a cytokine, like interleukins, interferons. They, 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 they attach to the virus and then the antibodies will attack the virus. That's in, in simplistic terms. So basically, it, it, it's good to have cytokines and we need cytokines, but if you have too many of them, this cytokine storm, you'll have a lot of cytokines attaching to healthy cells. And if they go, if the viral load is too great, going in through the cribriform plate into the brain, causing loss of smell and then hitting the hypothalamus and affecting the hypothalamus, causing high fever, which is one of the areas controlled by the hypothalamus, and uh, this is what's happening. It's this classic increase in infl inflammatory toxins because of this drainage system not working. So if your drainage system doesn't work to begin with and you get COVID, you are very likely to get the long COVID syndrome that we're seeing, the post-COVID-19. And this is why people get ME. They're susceptible to it before the virus hits them their drainage system doesn't work. So we're working on a new research project at the moment in the, in the UK with the National Health Service, with a hospital near me. And we're looking at a self-massage routine based on my techniques that will help people with long COVID and they can do it at home. And if it's successful, we hope to roll it out throughout the world. Yeah, and this so will open interesting. up- this, this So interesting. Yeah. So this again, so it's very apt at the moment we talk about this because it, the post-viral was one of the big names for ME years ago. It used to be called post-viral fatigue syndrome. It is the virus is a, a major trigger for ME. It's a pre-viral condition. The problems of the lymphatics, the problems of, of detoxification, and this, this, these spaces go down the spine as well and out through the nerve, nerves where the spine, uh, where the spinal. Uh, nerves are there's also these perivascular spaces so this drains off toxin down the spine so if your spine's dysfunctional in any way if you've got spinal problems and you've got maybe had trauma on your head or maybe you you could have been born there's there's families you'll see i mean you probably notice some families have come to you saying we've our whole family have got chronic fatigue me uh, or and uh, we see this again and again because it could be, you know, your bones of your skull, if the facial bones look are very similar to your parents, you look like your parents because the facial bones are very similar genetically. Cranially is the same inside the cranium. The bones, maybe somebody's got a defect in the cribriform plates in the ethmoid bone and their child's developed the same defect. And then they could be born with a defect and then it can then build up the toxins because their drainage isn't working from day one. Or it could be trauma from birth. We see a lot of firstborn babies because of the trauma of being the firstborn going through the birth canal. The, the, we see a lot of ME patients are firstborn. And this, this could be tra the tra trauma and it might not be any trauma further on. Or it could be later on, you could have injury on your head or spine, sports people develop chronic fatigue, ME, fibromyalgia, very much more than unsporty people because they're overloading their bodies. 
and their spine is not draining properly. So there's lots of different causes for this buildup of toxins, lots of different causes for the buildup of inflammatory toxins. But the main cause, and this comes into where, you know, you can help with some adaptogens, some 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 definite, some on a, on a holistic, uh, naturopathic way, and from a nutritional point of view. But uh, one of the main causes is stress. Stress is one of the biggest causes of neuroinflammation. And people somehow have a very, very stressful life. And then suddenly they get hit by a virus and then they get down, they go downhill and don't recover. So we look at all the history of emotional stress, physical stress, environmental pollution is a big one. <laughs> and uh, listen, you've finally, I'm not going to get political, but you've finally got hopefully a president that, that looks at the environment a bit more than your previous president. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I, you know, I'm, you know, working with a client population, you always hear about, you know, someone had a virus or they had a car accident or another traumatic event, and that was the beginning of the end for them, and they were just a downward spiral from there. And it's interesting, let's say with a car accident where someone has maybe a traumatic injury to their spine, that that would then cause, you know, subluxations or other types of uh, injuries or, you know, knocking the the spine out of alignment that would then suppress the the lymphatic drainage system, you know, into the lymphatic system. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, the lymphatic system is controlled by sympathetic nerves and the main part of the thoracic spine is, is, is involved in, in sympathetics. So if you have an injury in any part of the spine, you'll, you'll develop, it will affect the sympathetic nerves, which control, directly control the pumping of the lymph. And many of your viewers will be familiar with cranial osteopathy, cranial sacral therapy, and will know... It's, you know, it's used by quite a lot of practitioners in the States and uh, worldwide. I came up with a concept in 2007, which was uh, formulated into a paper, which was published in the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association on what is the cranial rhythm. And this fits into what you asked about the spine. The the lymph and the lymphatics. The The lymph has a pump of around four beats a minute. The cerebrospinal fluid, the fluid in the brain, follows the heart rate. It's produced by the blood and it goes back to the blood. So in the brain itself, it follows the same rate as the heart rate, 50 to 100 beats a minute. And it eventually drains into the lymphatics. And just to point out that in 2007, sorry, 2017, 10 years after my paper was published, they finally proved that the lymphatic system existed in the human. They did the first scans in Virginia and it showed that these, this, this drainage actually did exist. There was actually, and there were lymphatic vessels lining the brain around the um, meninges, the membranes of the brain. There was actually lymphatic vessels, true lymphatic vessels. So it's now this, this drainage system has been now proven in the, in the human body. And now we know it exists. And then 10 years before I did this paper saying that the reason what the cranial rhythm is, we feel when we feel the cranial rhythm in ME patients, chronic fatigue, it's always out of sync. It's always disturbed in some way. And the reason why it's disturbed is because it is the lymphatic system we're feeling. And it's an actual physical pumping mechanism we can feel. So how does this occur? What are we feeling? Well, it's the cerebrospinal fluid in the brain moves according to the heart rate, 50 to 100 beats a minute. When it drains through these passageways now, we now know it, it does do that, into the lymphatics, there's two waves coming together, the very fast heart rate with the very, very slow wave of the, limb, of the thoracic duct, the main duct of the lymph, which is around four beats a minute. This was discovered many years ago by Professor John Kimmont in London in the 1970s. 
So you have two waves coming together. And phys physicists watching this will, will know very well, if you have two waves come together, it produces a third wave called an interference wave. For the non-physicists among us, which most of us are, you just have to go to a beach. And if you go to a beach, you see a big wave coming in, a small wave going out, they crash together, they produce a third wave. In the human body, this third wave is what cranial osteopaths, or osteopaths, worldwide call the cranial rhythmic impulse, the cranial rhythm. And this is always disturbed in, 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 in ME patients. And by stimulating the cranial rhythm, by stimulating the lymph drainage from the brain and the spine, and getting everything moving the right way instead of this backflow that I've discovered exists. So there's a, there's, with the sympathetic nerves controlling the lymph, it pushes the lymph in the wrong way, causing a retrograde flow, which causes lots of what we call varicose lymphatics in the chest and the neck, and we can feel them, palpate them. These are part of the signs and of, of, of ME and fibromyalgia that we can see if this, this neurolymphatic system, this lymphatic system isn't working correctly. So basically what we have is, uh, is by stimulating this drainage and draining the toxins away, we can help restore the balance and the hypothalamus will start working better. The thalamus, the basal ganglia, the limbic system, all these areas that are affected will start working as the toxins drain away and what is your method for for draining these toxins i mean i've heard of you know like dr Klinghart mentions you know yeah. sleeping on a slanted bed so to oh. aid lymphatic <laughs> drainage or anything yeah i mean sleeping on one side you just you're helping the drainage of the of the of of, of the cranium but you're not helping the drainage everywhere else in fact if you sleep tilted up you're going to, uh, it's, going to affect, it's going to be harder for the lymph to pump up upwards. So it would help the lymph drain from the legs. But we're not talking about standard lymphatic drainage problems. There are many lymphatic drainage techniques, pumping techniques. There's the osteopathic, there's a thing called the abdominal pump. There's a pedal pump where you move your legs up and down. These are, stimulate the lymph to work better when they're sluggish. But if it's a backflow, it's the control mechanism of the lymph that we need to get working. And that's the hypothalamus and the sympathetic nervous system. So we need to get that working correctly. And I've developed a technique, which I, I the simplest way of calling it is the concertina effect. Like a concertina, you push one side in and one side in, and it creates a pressure which forces the air out of a concertina or an accordion. Same thing here, we push down, we stimulate the lymph. With our cranial techniques, we stimulate massage techniques down and we give self-massage. And this is part of the study we'll be doing in the UK for, for post-COVID. But they'll be draining down to the collarbone, which is where the drainage occurs, and up the chest, the back, upwards towards there. And this pressure creates a force that goes into the bloodstream and drains the toxins away. And once it starts going in, it creates another physical phenomenon called the siphon effect. And anybody who's had a, a fish tank and taken the rubbish from the bottom of the fish tank knows about siphons. Or if they've had a misspent youth and taken petrol from a car illegally, <laughs> they know about siphons. But <laughs> If you have a, a tube of a tube and you suck it up, it will then continue to flow out by the gradient pressure difference. And that's what we do. We drain down, we drain up, and we create this, this effect. And this then drains into the bloodstream and takes the toxins with it. And bit by bit by bit, the toxins will drain out from and the lymphatics will drain the correct way and this backflow will cease to exist, and health is restored. Now, on top of that, there's other things that are needed, and a lot of ME patients is not straightforward, and that's where people like you come in. I, the analogy I use, and I have my, I mean, I'm not trying to plug my new book, but my publisher will be really annoyed if I don't plug my new book, which comes out in early spring, or 
well, I don't know, it might be a bit late spring now, but when it's coming out this spring anyway, and it's the Perrin Technique uh, second edition, and it's full of all the science behind my work. My first book, which was published in 2007, The Perrin Technique, was based on my ideas without the scientific evidence to prove it. Now we have the evidence to prove what I've been saying about the lymphatic system and about this drainage. But the analogy I like to use, and I use this in my new book, is the um, jigsaw puzzle analogy. And basically, what you find with a jigsaw puzzle, most of us have built a jigsaw puzzle at one time or another, you start with the corners. And then you do the edges, and then you've got the center. So if you have a very simple jigsaw, you might just have a few corners, uh, the four corners and just a few edges. More complex jigsaws have more pieces. So what are the corners for chronic fatigue syndrome ME? What are the cornerstones, corner pieces for treating these conditions? And that's rest, relaxation, which is different to rest because you can rest and you still be stressed out of your mind. So it's rest and relax, learn how to chillax as they call it nowadays meditate if you can't get away from stress and you're resting and you still feel very stressed learn how to meditate mindfulness certain techniques to help you focus on the now very very useful and then the most important which i i instigated in 1989 when all the doctors in the world were saying push 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 i said pace stop and pace half of what you feel capable of doing. So you're not overloading your sympathetic nervous system. And those are the four cornerstones, four corner pieces, rest, relaxation, meditation, and pace. And then the edge pieces is the parent technique, work on the neurolymphatics, work on the structure and integrity of the body. But then you've got the middle pieces, and that's where nutrition comes in and maybe some drug therapy necessary maybe some talk therapy is necessary for different patients need different things you as as an expert in in toxicity know that the brain is a very very large organ uh, maybe some of i mean it's still it's quite a big organ but it's made up of over 100 billion neurons and each one of those neurons connects to others. So there's trillions of synapses, trillions of chemical changes all the time going on in the brain. And each one of them can be affected by different toxins. So that's why every ME patient is different because different toxins affect different patients in different places in the brain. And this causes a terrible dilemma for doctors when they see patient after patient come in, each one with a different presentation. So this is where the clinician comes in to work out what's going on. And some patients, unfortunately, as I said, some patients are very simple jigsaws, and some patients, unfortunately, are 1,000-piece jigsaws, and some 10,000-piece jigsaws, where there's so many things going wrong. And it takes a long time to help. And some, you can't help completely, but you can build the cornerstones and get the orders to, to, work, uh, to work properly, to fix together properly. And then you can work on the, on the sea and the sky and eventually get the jigsaw puzzle of health back. Yeah, I mean, and then there's leaky brain also. I mean, a lot of, you know, many people don't have very good integrity of their blood-brain yeah. barrier for various yeah. reasons, and that compounds the issue, yes? That compounds the issue, definitely. And if you've got problems on, on top of that with with uh, radio radioactivity, we have a lot of, I mean, there's research done that using mobile phones that has affects the blood-brain barrier integrity. There was a scientist in, in Finland that um, got into deep trouble by producing, publishing a paper on this because one of the main companies that produced the mobile phones didn't like what he was saying. But, but what he was saying was the truth, that, that um, they found temporal lobe cancer in, in a lot of 
patients who had been using on the side that, that they got the temporal lobe, lobe cancer, they'd be using a mobile phone. So mobile phone technology is a problem and you have people who are, who are very uh, susceptible, not just to the toxins we see, but the radiation around us. And that can affect the, the blood-brain barrier integrity as well. And this goes with the leaky gut. I mean, you obviously, the nutritionist, work on the leaky gut and leaky gut and leaky brain big and there's so much to talk about that <laughs> we could spend another another hour at least talking about the, the 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 gut which is you know a lot of people as you probably do call it the third brain because it it's so important the microbiota you know i was at a it's interesting i was at a conference a couple of years ago a royal college of psychiatrists conference and we were presenting a paper which were was very interested, they were interested in. And I went to one or two of the lectures, and one lecture was all about using probiotics and prebiotics for depression. And it was packed, the room was, was full, it was standing room only, these psychiatrists were all learning that, you know, nutrition can actually help these patients. And it's not a surprise to us when we know that, you know, that 75% of serotonin is produced in the gut and there's a high percentage of neurochemicals are all produced by the microbiota by the gut bacteria as you know and, and so can you prevent chronic fatigue syndrome and me what are your thoughts on that prevention is actually interesting because i'm one of the very few people in the world that says you can prevent it if you catch it early enough it, and how do you catch it early enough and that's where the physical signs come in so I've, de I've de devised a technique that we use on top of going through a history, going through symptoms. We, we use physical examination as an adjunct, as a sort of screening tool. And there are physical signs that are in my book and that have tender points and these, as I said, this backflow of lymph that shows up as like varicose lymph rather than varicose veins. Uh, cranial flow problems, spinal problems, and tenderness in different parts. These signs are there with ME and even pre-ME patients. So how do we catch a pre-ME patient? Well, I said before that it sometimes runs in families. And if, a fam if two or more of the family members have chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia or both, what they often say to me is, can you examine my other children to see if they've got any signs? And some of them haven't got the symptoms yet, but they have the signs. And we start treat treating them, and, the, and with the treatment, the signs dis dissipate, and some of them go completely, and they physically get back to healthy. But they didn't have the symptoms in the first place, so you know, it's very hard to do research on that to say we've prevented ME because, you know, they don't develop ME and critics will say, well, they never would have. But uh, we know different. We know that we're getting them into much better health and structurally we're helping them move forward and, and getting a, a, a much healthier life. But I said, sadly, at the moment, because of this mass pandemic, it's getting worse and worse. I don't know how it is in the States at the moment, but in the UK, it's, it's worsening by the minute. Even though we've got the vaccines out, there's a higher level of, of uh, new cases every day in the, in the UK at the moment. And with that, there'll be many people who have got these physical signs that didn't know anything about it until afterwards they never recover. And that's where the post-COVID comes in. So... The quicker we get there, the better. And we could even, you know, physically examine patients and see if they're susceptible to getting long COVID before, but that's a long way off in research to show this. But there's simple measures that people can do to keep the, the integrity of the neurolymphatic system working and drainage system that we'll, we'll be hopefully teaching to the world soon. They're all in the Perrin Technique book but uh, hopefully we'll have the science behind it and the studies behind it to, to get this out there.
What are your thoughts on regular lymphatic drainage massages? I went to massage school when I was 17. I was very interested in becoming a holistic health practitioner. And the first course you had to take was, was a massage course. And it's something that I've done since I was 19 years old. So I started almost 30 years ago doing regular monthly lymph, like a lymphatic or deep tissue type yeah. drainage mm -hmm. massage. And what are your thoughts on that? I know your technique is very specific, but it certainly seems like that would help. Yeah, I mean, generally, as long as it's always towards the clavicle, always towards the collarbone. So if you're massaging, massage upwards. If you've got general health problems, there's in lymphatic, when you learn lymphatic techniques, there's, there's a VODA technique, there's different uh, techniques for lymphatics. You learn about lymphatomes, about watersheds, where the lymph changes direction. So the standard lymph drainage, for instance, for the, for the breast tissue, the auxiliary lymph nodes will take a lot of the surface lymph from the breast tissue into the axilla. However, if you start stimulating somebody with a lymphatic problem, a neurolymphatic problem, where there's a backflow of lymph, and you start stimulating the lymph to go into the, into the axillary lymph nodes, you just get congested buildup of toxins in the lymph nodes. They won't be draining away. So we don't, we go straight towards the main drainage, this concertina effect. Anywhere else, and you're asking for problems. So that's where it changes. But standard lymph drainage, as long as it's always towards the collarbone, would, will help. And uh, I teach this in techniques just for standard if you have standard back problems, if you stimulate the lymph as well, you're helping the patient so much more. So lymph is always, lymph drainage and massage techniques to help the lymph are so important. In fact, Andrew Taylor, still the founder of osteopathy, said you are failing your patient if you do not deal with the lymph and you should give your money back to them. And he said that over a hundred years ago. So I, 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 as one of my opening line for my lectures, when I start, when I teach my osteopathic students. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so tell us where we can get your book and learn more about your method. You have a website. Yeah, we have the, the www.theperintechnique.com. The there's also the perinclinic.com will take you to the same site where there's a worldwide network of osteopaths, physiotherapists, physical therapists, chiropractors who have trained with me and are licensed practitioners. There's plenty more who have trained in my techniques are not licensed, but they've learned my techniques. And I realize that there's a whole world out there. We can't train everybody. And it's a hands-on training. It's made it very difficult with COVID-19 to do hands-on. I've managed to teach a whole group in Athens uh, last a few months ago where practitioners I trained off a year, a year before that in Greece came along and they were my hands. <laughs> and, and I just directed them. It was very difficult to do. But it's, hopefully with the COVID-19 pandemic going, we're, we're going to train new practitioners in the near future to be trainers as well, to teach around the world the techniques. But uh, there are licensed practitioners, and if you go on uh, www.theperintechnique.com, you'll find a map with practitioners. There's not many in the States who are licensed, but we're always looking for new practitioners. And I will be coming hopefully soon when the pandemic settles down, we hope in the near future. And I'll be able to come and train as many practitioners as want and uh, they can then start teaching the others. But the book will help, the new book especially, it's 520 pages long. Far too long for patients, I know, but uh, very useful for practitioners. And it says everything you need to know about ME, but we're too afraid to ask, really. That should be the subtitle of the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but That's it's basically, but the new book, so the new book is called, is, is the Parent Technique uh, Second Edition, but it's, it's, it's diagnosing and treating chronic fatigue syndrome, ME, and fibromyalgia, because it's very, very much on the same spectrum. 
via the lymphatic drainage of the brain. So we actually have it in the title, via the lymphatic drainage of the brain. So we're, we're showing the world there is a lymphatic drainage of the brain, and we've been treating it for over 30 years. Now, hopefully the rest of the world can learn how to do it as well. Yeah, well, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people very, very interested in this training uh, that you're doing because it, it really, there's so many people now suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and, mm -hmm. and, and dementia. I mean, it's, it's just, it's staggering, the, mm -hmm. the numbers, and it, it's yeah. going to be growing. So I, I really applaud you and your work for looking for uh, solutions to this, uh, that people's lives are just completely destroyed by this. So thank you for yeah. your work. Thank you. Um, just on, on, the, on the dementia side, we've not done research on dementia or Alzheimer's, but knowing that this was the first research done on the glymphatics was amyloid, we, just, we, we had a patient of ours who had successfully got better using my techniques for ME. His father had early stage Alzheimer's and I treated his father once a month using my techniques and he did the self-massage and self-exercises, gentle exercises. And he stayed stable for four years. And every month he came to me, said he felt wonderful. And his memory stayed the same and his... And this was amazing. We wrote up, we had a log for him and we wrote down everything, case notes. We have it all down, showing that he stayed as, as he did. In fact, some days, some months he came in saying he's never felt better. And that went on until, unfortunately, he had a fall. And he fell and he injured his head and he went right downhill after that. Unfortunately, there was nothing I could do then. But it shows what can be done. And hopefully, you know, this technique will one day other people will research this and hopefully find it could help people with Alzheimer's and all other things and lots of other new... I work together with a neurologist in London who says, you know, we're treating the physiology here. By stimulating the lymph in the vein, you're helping the health of the vein. It should help everybody with any condition to improve their health. And hopefully, um, likewise, what you do I'm sure you feel the same. Absolutely. And it seems like it had, will have a lot of promise for people with traumatic brain injury also who have, you know, have affected their lymphatic system negatively in some way by an injury. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But remember, and I keep on saying this again and again, it's not the cure all. It's a treatment that will, it's part of it. It's the, it's the framework of the jigsaw puzzle, but You've got a lot of patients who are large jigsaws that need a lot of different disciplines to help them. And if you find the right ones, most people can be helped and health can be restored. Yeah, there's always so many variables to every health issue. Well, Dr. Perrin, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Well, and thank I you. I, I hope I haven't gone on too much and, and gone too, too in too much detail, but hopefully you've uh, your viewers will have learned something from this. No, not at all. I'm sure I could continue questioning you for another two hours, but I'm sure, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone else would love to listen in, but I think an hour is good. We got the <laughs> no, point. Just fine. go get the book. You want more? You got a taste? Go get the book. So okay. Dr. Perrin, thanks for, for joining us all, and everyone. All, all the best. Take care. God bless. By the way, on the book front, just one thing. The the book one, the parent, the original version is not available in print anymore until the new one comes out but it's available on kindle so ah. if people want to get a copy of the parent technique the basics of it it's available still on kindle from amazon and from any good supplier you can get uh, the kindle version until the new book comes out which should be hopefully i think april this year if the new one's coming out. Okay. 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 Fantastic. I'm Take gonna be, care. I'm gonna be right there. Get it, getting your, <laughs> your book in April. Uh, well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Meyer C Talks podcast. And it's such a pleasure every week to bring you all of this really important information to help you get to the underlying root cause of some of your health issues. I truly believe that we're the number one primary underlying drivers of disease today are toxins and heavy metals. And you have to be paying attention to this 
to truly get to the underlying uh, root cause of your health issues and your symptoms. So thanks for tuning in. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. I'll talk to you guys very soon. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.